in today's show. I'm going live here on YouTube to answer your questions. Get them ready. Michael Bolton, he's here. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you save money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and even helps negotiate a better price on the ones that you want to keep. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Welcome everybody who is in here in the live stream as we're ready to take some questions, answer those questions for you blokes. Let's, um, should we dig in? All right, let's dig in and get to the first one of these questions. Max Baker, how do I stop having my trades vetoed? My last one was Dort and Hero for DeRozan. I think others are just jealous and they're out to get me. Only six vetoes required in a 14-team league. Um, how do you stop people vetoing? You play in a league without league votes. I cannot stress this enough, Maxi. League votes is the dumbest shit you could almost have in a fantasy league. I have plenty of things that I think should be absolutely standard. League votes, not one of them. All right, I, I do this every year, how to set up a league. Do not have league votes. People will vote out of spite. It's ridiculous. It's ri- it's stupid. Why shouldn't you be able to win a trade? Who gives a shit if you win it? Did you cheat with the bloke? No. You won the trade, fair and square. Oh, well. I don't know how to deal with a bunch of petty assholes like that in a league that just vote for that purpose. Uh, honestly, you're going to be better off just playing the wave wire and not trading if they're going to act like this. It's a ridiculous dynamic to have in a league and it shouldn't exist. And Rex... He says, oh, that's a rob. That should definitely be vetoed. No, it shouldn't, Rex. Why shouldn't he win the trade? Why does every trade have to be fair or equal? If someone loses a trade, guess what they did? They lost a trade. That's like saying that someone dropped a player and added someone else and the rest of the league went, voted and went, oh, you shouldn't have dropped that guy. He was too good to drop. And, and you get him back. Huh? Why? You make a mistake, you pay for it. That's the shit that goes on. Ludicrous. All right, let's go through some other questions. How is everybody? You Ogawa, it's looking like Terrence Davis is sustainable, eh? It's been three games. It's been three games. It's looking like there's an opportunity for him, sure. He looks like he's going to start for the short term. But this is Terrence Davis. Are we absolutely locking him in for 32 minutes a night, scoring 15 points on good shooting? Like, Of course you're not. Do you think that Alvin Gentry's got faith and go, I found my starting small forward, it's over now? No. It's looking like that he's worth grabbing. Absolutely he is. And you do grab him. But making pronouncements of, you know, well, it's proven sustainability is not where we're at. And that is why when you get someone like Terrence Davis, you add him, you explore the trade market because there will be people who think, well, this is it now. This is who he is. Top 70 guy, rest of the way. He could be, but he might not be. It's very, very far from proven. Very far. I arthritis. Good name. 
Is Devin Vassell a hold through his injury? I believe so, yes. Nathan Townsend said, terrible trades ruin leagues though, LOL. Sure, and vetoing every trade ruins them even more. Like if you don't want terrible trades in your leagues, honestly, be better managers. Nothing's stopping any other player creating trades with the person who did a shit trade. Also, you don't know that it's a shit trade. All right? Oh man, DeRozan's the better player. What if DeRozan, touch wood, tears his ACL tomorrow? Like what, what if it happens? You don't know this. Nobody knows it. But I know for sure that vetoing trades is terrible. Russell DeSanti, after Kyrie Lewis's ACL tear, what's his ceiling? I don't think the ACL limits long-term ceiling anymore. What it does mean that is that obviously he's out this season. Next season will be limited. And that is going to have a, a, an issue with him because then he'll be heading into his fourth year where he'll be fully healthy. Like He'll return in year three, but he won't be himself. And then year four will be, he's going to have to show something towards the end of year three to push himself to be a starter in year four. I still think the ceiling is is okay. Not as high as when draft time, I was pretty high on him draft time. He has, hasn't shown me that at all. He's also had very limited opportunities and this hurts those opportunities. But I, I, would, I do think that the ceiling is lowered just because he has less opportunity now to show up. But in terms of on-court production, it's still there. Like he still can do it and the ACL doesn't limit that. Um, Jonathan Laufer. Do I think Poole's minutes and role will be affected by Clay's return? Has to be. Um, it has to be. Right. Um, he's playing as the second scorer on that team. Third, you might say, of Wiggins. But then Clay comes back and he takes those shots, and he probably moves to the bench. So it might be two minutes a game. It might be two shots per game. That's all it might be. But it's still going from 30 minutes to 28 or maybe 26. So it is going to have to... Oh, use just going back here to Terrence Davis. When he was given the minutes, he produces. Yeah, but he was given the minutes earlier this year and did nothing. It's, it's, not, it's not consistent with Terrence Davis. This is the thing. If it was, then he would have just locked into that position all season. So you can use a stretch of last season where he had the minutes and that was great. I believe Darren Fox was out during that time. But... You know, he started two games prior to these last three and played 17 and 15 minutes in them. He had a 26-minute game on the 26th of November. He you know, started earlier in the year and played 20 minutes. Like, it's not a guarantee. I think he can be a good player. Uh, and I think he's a solid I think he's a solid scorer. But my, my point is, you, is that it's very, very far from... Um, let's have a look. Do I still like the over on the Raps total season wins? Nick... I don't know because I don't remember what the total was, but they're obviously not. Ryan J. Tobin, what are my thoughts on the recent uptick in turnovers for Carl Anthony Towns? Ryan, I can tell you this with 100% honesty. I never, ever, ever look at turnovers. So I couldn't tell you what his turnovers are. I just do not care in the slightest. Um, you're also shocked how the hell he only took 11 shots versus the Jazz. What's going on? Well, part of that is the way that sometimes Anthony Edwards and Malik Beasley and those guys can dominate the ball. It's also, despite what Patrick Beverly erroneously said, it's the fact that Rudy Gobert makes that defense unbelievable and they know how to scheme blokes out of things. It's not that, you know, why isn't Rudy Gobert guarding Towns? Rudy Gobert guards everyone. He, does, he is the entire defense. He is the defender that does everything on that team. So he goes out there and, and really helps create a scheme in situations where Towns can't get those shots off. So that's part of that problem. It's a multiple multi-thing. It's the offense that sometimes doesn't get the ball to him. And it's also Rudy Gobert is really good. And that Jazz defense. Okay. Max. 
It's going all right, mate. How are you? Lance Stevenson. Is this Lance Stevenson, Mr. Uh, Mr. Legendary Indiana Pacers dickhead? Oh, no, it's not. Who do you think gets to start over Calden tonight? Okay, that, that's a good question. Um, I think they'll start Lonnie Walker. They could start Cater Bates-Diop. I think they'll start Lonnie Walker. Gary White. Duarte Simons, Big Stiffy, who would be my priority to stash in a 10-team league? It's not Highland. Easily not Highland. It's probably... The only guy there with a clear path for long-term value is Duarte. But in the end, whether it's Duarte or Simons, you're probably just going to be better streaming those guys out. Like, Simons might have value until CJ returns. Uh, Duarte's value could increase as the season goes on, but it could be lower now. It is a coin toss, but longer term... If you're talking stashing, which is really hard in a daily changes league, I think it's got to be Duarte there. Jesse Tafoya, who's a better pickup? Horton Tucker, Tyus Jones, McDermott, or Bones? It's clearly, it's clearly Tyus Jones at this point. And we know his value is going to run out, but it, it's clearly him. Young Ecto. CJ McCollum for Bam Adebayo. Why are you trading two injured players for a start? It's a category league, but this also brings up a good question. Young Ecto, which I have to answer all the time. Um, or mention all the time. I've got no idea. One of those players is a guard that scores and hits threes. Another one of those is a center that theoretically blocks shots, but he doesn't, but gets rebounds and has good field goal percentage. It could be a gigantic win. It could be a gigantic loss. They're probably both returning around the same time, but that's not how fantasy trades work. You have to look at how it impacts your team. I cannot stress that enough. Henry Fu says, who are NBA players you think will get moved on December 15th? I don't think anyone will get moved on December 15th, personally. I don't think there'll be any trades until January, would be my guess, or it'll be a very, very low-level one. People look at that December 15th date and go, wow, that's the date when all free agents can be moved, so there's just going to be bang, trades go through. I just don't think that'll be the case. We'll see. I'll be shocked if there is a trade go through on December 15th. And I'm not one for predicting who gets traded because nearly every time, 80% of the trades that go through are ones that you have no idea of and have not been predicting at all. It's very, very hard to do. I will probably do a show because people love hearing about it and I'll do that closer to the trade deadline, play as you think get traded, and it will almost be incorrect right across the board. But that's just the way it goes, unfortunately, um, for me. Guys, we know there are situations where you've got all these free trials and you subscribe to things and you forget about it and the prices and the costs just add up. So if you've got a way to get rid of those subscriptions you don't need, wouldn't you take that option? Well, Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or that you've simply forgot about. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there for you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, let's go to our next question. Joaquin Sandoval, what are my thoughts on Sabonis? Do you think he'd most likely be staying or leaving leaving the Pacers? I think if I'm going to put odds on it, the Pacers won't trade either of those guys because that's the most likely outcome. I personally, and I know that people will vehemently disagree, I would be trading Sabonis and I would be keeping Turner. But I am not Kevin Pritchard. I am 100% sure that they uh, they value Sabonis more than Turner. So I would think that DeMontis Sabonis will not get traded. I I would not do that. I think it's the incorrect move. 
But that's what I think. I think if they are trading one of those centers, it will not be DeMontis Sabonis. Zachary Fox says, Patrick Beverly is averaging nine points per game as a starter this season. Why do you see him as a must-roster player? Zach, do you play in a one-category league? Points is not the only category. Draymond Green averages eight points per game. Is he a must-roster player? Yes, because there are other things that are important. He's a very good rebounding guard. He hits threes, he gets assists, he gets steals. He's a good shot-blocking guard as well. I think he's the 102nd-ranked player this season in 25 minutes a night, and I think we can expect him to go up to 30 minutes a night over the long term. That's why he's a must-roster player. In fact, you know what? Let's go and have a look at where he actually ranks. Again, don't stop caring. Like Jared Vanderbilt averages, what, seven points per game? Draymond averages eight. Points is one category, mate. There are, there are eight others. Seven others if you don't want to count turnovers. All right, so Beverly in 25 minutes is 119th. That's 20, 25 minutes, averaging eight and a half points. As a, as a starter, he's actually averaging 8.8 points per game. But, you know, good assists, good blocks, good field goal percentage, hits threes. I think he can average like 10 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block. That's valuable. It might not appear it on the surface, but it's really valuable. And I think you need to like just, and this is the reason again, and be careful when you're making trades, Zachary, that you're not just looking at the points category because then you'd be loving Jordan Clarkson. Tejas says, is Reggie Jackson a buy low? Is it just who he is? I think it's sort of who he is. He's inefficient. He doesn't get big rebounds or assists. He's a low steals player. He is inefficient at times, and that can change, but I think he's sort of who he is. William Onkari, Alex Caruso, Defensive Player of the Year. I actually did an award show on this, William, the other day, and I'll probably do one at the end of December. I had him second in Defensive Player of the Year. And Gobert first and Caruso second. What do you guys think about that, by the way? Let me know. Tony Zhang. Is Tyrus Maxey a hold or a drop? Well, Tony, are you playing in a four-team league, a six-team league, an eight-team league, a 10-team league, a 12-team league, a 14-team league? I don't know. But if, let's say, for the sake of things, and again, when I get no context, or if I'm talking about something and I don't give context, what I am talking about is a 12-team, nine-category league. That is what I am talking about if I give no context. If I say a player is a sell high, or a player is a drop, or a player is an add, that's what I'm talking about. I will specify if I'm talking 10 or 14 or 16, or if I'm talking dynasty, or if I'm talking points leagues, I'll specify. But Tony, you did not specify. So Tyrus Maxey is a clear hold in a 12-team, nine-category league. A clear hold. It's a, it's a buy-low situation. We knew that a slump was coming. It is hitting hard, and it will get better. Okay. Brady Bjork. Everyone seems to hate turnovers as a stat. Some people love it. Um, so why is it the default ninth category? I'll tell you why it's the default ninth category because fantasy basketball started whenever it started and nobody wants to change ever anything. And anytime you bring it up, oh, mate, you just hate the game. You, you just hate fantasy. Like I just said, like I, I, the day I was like, I don't think three-pointers necessarily should be a standard fantasy category. Back in the day, they were a rarity. They're not anymore. And they're a double counter. You hit threes, it goes onto your points as well. Why are we counting them as a standard category? And people hated it. People hated that. They hate the idea of changing anything standard. And that's why turnovers are counted as standard because they've been there forever. And and also, there isn't a clear-cut best category to replace it with. But that doesn't mean that you can't or that you shouldn't. There are plenty of other ways to do it. I'll unbalance things. The balance just fixes itself. It just becomes the new norm, whatever you do, whether that's replacing turnovers by splitting rebounds into offensive and defensive. Oh, it makes certain players better. Who gives a shit? 
Like everything that we're dealing with here is arbitrary anyway. So what does it matter if it didn't boost his player's value? That just means the player's value gets boosted and that's the new normal. I think that the standard categories do need, um, and I've said this a million times as well, I think they need adjusting. I think threes are not a valuable or not a representative category anymore. Field goal percentage. Whenever you are talking in real NBA terms about players' field goal percentage, you never reference field goal percentage because it doesn't actually reference how good that player is. You use effective field goal percentage or true shooting percentage. You use three-point percentage or two-point percentage or at the rim percentage. or You use all those sort of numbers. right? You don't just use flat field goal percentage, but we use it in fantasy. There are, I think, hustle stats, deflections, shot contested. Those things should be included. Screen assists, charges drawn, maybe. There are plenty of other things that can be used, but because it's been something that's been there forever, people are reluctant to change. For Neil says, do you think you could name at least 13 players on every NBA roster? Absolutely guaranteed, Neil. I could name, I could probably, there's 17 on most rosters. I reckon I could do at least 16. Probably, I could probably do every player. Don't want you to test me right now, but I could probably do it. Yellow Mumbo, is it too early to ask for your all-star predictions? I did it already, Yellow Mumbo. Go look at the show, released last Saturday. Award predictions. It says he's Steph Curry, the MVP. That's the title of the video. It's got my all-star predictions. Actually, it's got my all-stars up until the end of November. I'll do another one of those at the end of December. But I had my current all-stars there. Calvin W, you can't trade Harold and you can't drop him. Absolutely. You, that is right. You can't trade him at the moment and you can't drop him. And he's just been terrible the last couple of weeks. He's been really bad. And I and as I said a million times at the start of the year, I think he's worth an ad early in the season. And I worry that he becomes droppable later in the year. And then he put up that massive start to the year where he was dominating. And now it's not being the case. And he's being a negative on the court and Gafford's outplaying him. You just have to hold. Aiden Vahidi. Given the recent injury news for Jimmy Butler, am I worried about his rest of the season value? Do you think he still provides top 10 value? On a per game basis, yeah, I think he can still be a top 10 player. The injuries are always the worry with Butler. It's it's consistent. He's always going to get hurt. And that doesn't really change too much in terms of my per game value uh, on Jim Butler. But what it does change, maybe, maybe Jim needs some Bilt Bar. It is Christmas. So if you know Jimmy Butler, why don't you buy him a box of Bilt Bars? Because they are the delicious treat that is also good for you. They're low in carbs. They're low in fat. They're low in sugar. But they are high in protein, low in calories also. And at Christmas time, we all need that fuel to get through dealing with our relatives, buying presents, seeing Santas ring their bell at a supermarket, which infuriates me so much. I wish I had a built bar so I had the energy to tune that out. Whatever your favorite flavor, don't mention it to your relatives. I don't want punch-ons at Christmas. Well, not over built bars anyway, because built bars should be something that brings family together. And you can bring your family together by distributing built bars as Christmas gifts. And use the code LOCKED15. So go to built.com, use that code LOCKED15, and you can save 15% on Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. BetOnline is the number one spot for all your props, your odds, and your contests as football marches towards the playoffs. It's also your number one spot for all sports this season. So head to the new updated desktop site or use your mobile device and sign up today and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a 50% welcome deposit bonus. From basketball to football, the NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place your bets for sports, all sports, this season. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, got more questions to go through here. Samia Sandu, when will I guess OG Onanobi resumes playing? Honestly, I'm in the dark with everyone else. I would guess before Christmas. That's my official prediction, but I'm completely in the dark as to when he's coming back. 
JT says, how high, how high, try again, how high is Devin Vassell's upside this season? I think his upside this season is probably top 80 best case scenario. It's going to require 30 minutes a night, and that's going to mean taking some off Lonnie Walker. Shouldn't be a hard task. Maybe cutting into Doug McDermott's playing time, or maybe an injury to Derek White or DeJounte Murray. Probably needs one of those things to happen, and that's not crazy to think that can go down. I think for now, I know it's annoying that he's out with this injury. I think he's a hold. I think he's 110th this season in 25 minutes a game. Push that to 27, you're talking top 100. Um, But it is frustrating. Rowan Patel, last roster spot. Simons or Patrick Beverly in a 10-team points league. Well, in a 10-team points league, you're probably not going to worry with either of them. It's just like stream that. It's your last roster spot, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You're not looking in your last roster spot to hold a bloke long term. And as much as I think Beverly's a must roster play, that's for 12 team category leagues. For a 10 team points league, it's not. So just stream that spot in. Evan Larder is Oladipo a stash? I don't think so. Evan, when's he coming back? Do you know? Because I don't. No updates. So much time out of the game. He's the fourth guard on that team. In a 14 team league, maybe I can see him having value in February. But I just think again, it's. It's just wasting roster spots and wasting time most most of that time. Um, update on Kyrie Irving? There is no update. Absolutely none. Roy Yakia, how do I feel about RJ Barrett's past two games? I was very close to dropping him, willing to wait a bit. He's been he's, he's scored well the last two games. But again, the problem is, last game he had like 19 points, but two rebounds, zero steals, zero assists. Oh, sorry, uh, three assists, zero blocks, 42% shooting. Still shit. For a category league. It's the points thing. The points look great. Everything else looked bad. The game before that, he was excellent. Right? But he has historically shown not to be a good category league player. Shout out Keldon Johnson. He is doing it again, but at a worse level this year. And he will improve. But what does he improve to? The 130th best player? 140th? Like, I, 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 there is still... He, his name holds value, RJ. But I'd try to trade it rather than... Um, I try to trade it rather than drop him, but I also don't think he's this gigantic priority player who's all of a sudden going to start pulling in multiple categorical value and being super efficient. Um, all right. Max Silverstein. Is the delicate dancer Alperen Sengun? It's a delicate dance in just 17 steps. Is he worth stashing if I'm second in my 12-team league? And Tejas also says, if Tice is traded, will Sengun ever get 25 minutes? Tice getting traded has no impact at all on Sengun, I don't think. He's not even playing Daniel Tice. So, the 25-minute question, Tejas, I'm actually going to talk about that in today's Watfo. So, we'll get onto that later on in the day. Um, is he worth a stash? Look, I think what it's going to require now is Christian Wood getting traded. And that does make it tough. Now, you're in a good position, Max, sitting at the top of your standing second, that you can do it. But it feels like it's just not going to come to fruition for a while now. When they were playing the two bigs, I thought, all right, by Christmas, he'll play 24 minutes a night. He'll take those Tice minutes. But he's taken the Tice minutes, but it means he's exclusively a backup to Wood now. And that's really hard to have him as a must-hold player. Jonathan Laufa says, will I give Maxi the buy-low spot? We need the locked-on fantasy basketball bump. I've said it. I haven't put him on the buy-low show yet, but maybe I will next week. But I have said he is a buy-low. So we'll see if that gets out to Philadelphia. Um, 
Is Mike Conley going to start playing back-to-backs? No news on being out tonight. He's already played one back-to-back this season. It looks like a David. I think it helps that he played 24 minutes only yesterday. It looks like he's playing tonight. And you're right, he did play their last back-to-back. So I think that what it means is that he is not ruled out of every back-to-back from here on out. There'll be some that he plays and some that he doesn't. Saxon Vargo says, what do I do with Karis Levert? I think you've just got to hold him. I, I don't... You could drop him. I think you've just got to hold him. Though. Alan, uh, you obviously didn't hear the start of the show, but we'll answer it again now. What do I think of Terence Davis' performance when Barnes come back? I talked about it yesterday. I think he'll be the starting small forward with around 15 points per game. 15 points per game is a very, very big number. Like f- 15 points a game. I know he scored 15 yesterday, but averaging 15 points per game is not an easy thing to do. It just, it just isn't. And if you have the, the expectation that Terence Davis averages 15 points per game... Um, I reckon you'd be disappointed. Like Chris Paul doesn't average 15 points per game. Lowry Markkinen doesn't average 15 points per game. Tim Hardaway doesn't. Mike Conley doesn't. Evan Mobley doesn't. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't. Franz Wagner doesn't. Kyle Kuzma doesn't. Wendell Carter doesn't. Spencer Dinwiddie doesn't. Yusuf Nurkic doesn't. Kyle Lowry doesn't. It is a very high bar to pass. So no, I don't think that he averages 15 points per game. I think that he can be useful, as we talked about early, earlier. But it just there, we have to look at realism. I don't know why I said it that way. Realism. Um, when looking at predictions, Joshua Blumkin. Is that a fake name? I know you keep saying that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a drop, but is it a move to hold him in hopes they start playing him more minutes down the line? Okay. As with all these ones, like, can you just deal with the shit-outsness now? Why, why do you think that they started him and then benched him and then they'll start playing him more. And even when he started, did you like him as an option? No. And then they're going to get Zion back. Maybe, theoretically, at some point. And he's going to take shots away. People love the idea of stashing in the hope that it comes off two months down the track. But it's much like when talking about revenge games or contract years. We love the positives, but those ones where you stash a bloke and nothing happens and you've burnt a roster spot for two months, we don't think about that cost of it. In most cases, I'd be more than happy to move on from him, see him blow up in two months' time and someone else do it, and then you go, ah, man, I dropped him. That's fine. But I got actual value for two months, and I don't see the upside of him being a top 90, or sorry, a top 60 guy or anything like that. Maybe top 100. But you tie it all together, and with shit-houseness for a month, two months... Don't think it's worth Manthaman, Manthaman. Was it Ma- or maybe I was just looking at that and thinking that was actually name. Man the man, man the man. What do I do with Robert Williams? He's been a disappointment since day one. Rob Williams is the 76th ranked player this season. You probably drafted him around 55 or something. If that's a disappointment, then I don't know what to say. He's averaging nine and eight with 1.7 blocks, shooting 64, 74% from the field. He's a 76th round player. Is that a disappointment? I think we overreact a lot, don't we? This guy's shit house being hopeless. That means there's been like 350 worse players than him. Katie Brown. Hey, Katie. Is Don Mitchell for eight in a good trade? I don't know. Maybe. It's a guard for a center. As we'll continue... Sorry, hitting the microphone. As I'll continually say, trading a guard for a center might be a great move. Might be a shit move. Their overall value, I would say Mitchell is significantly ahead of Aiton. But overall value, when you get down to looking at your team, doesn't mean anything. Because you might actually want big man stats. 
you might trade overall value to get a rebounding high field goal percentage player who blocks some shots like Aiton. You don't need Mitchell's threes or scoring. That might work out for you. In general, Mitchell's a significantly better player. But it might not be that case. In um, Jack the Leper. Who wants to answer him? I should do it. Josh, when you're going over the games played and doing a recap, why don't you include turnovers? Because you should not pay attention to them. Imagine most of us are nine-cat league players and turnovers are super relevant. They're not. I tell, I'll tell you why they're not. Um, this is the last question I'm going to answer. I know you'll I'd say it's one of the categories. It's true. But having good players means your turnovers get high. If you are competitive in assists, your turnovers will be high. If you are punting assists, then your turnovers will be low. So using turnovers as a means of valuing players and ranking players inherently skews their value. It inherently skews it and you end up making terrible decisions on waiver moves and trades if you include turnovers in the value. So I don't bother talking about them. You win turnovers by having fewer games played for the week. That's how you win turnovers. I, I, just, I cannot stress enough how unimportant I think they are when valuing a player. You disagree with me. I know you will, Jack. I don't talk about them because I don't pay any attention to them. And I don't think people should. That's how I, that's how I like to view it. All right, guys, that will um, do it for us today. Thank you to everyone for uh, being a part of the show and joining in. And don't forget to follow this podcast on the old Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, before you leave, chuck a thumbs up, leave a comment, subscribe, tell your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Say so, yeah.